This is the Dandelion Roots podcast with brain injury survivor Isabella and her service dog, Mr. Figgles. Reconnecting to the world by deepening our roots into the soil of life, emerging from the darkness and blooming into the light. Our episodes will center around real life experiences on this healing journey of self-discovery with chit-chat over a cup of tea, deep insights, and performance poetry to bring hope and understanding to the deeper corners of the mind for all those who are struggling, regardless of their why. So join us for a sense of community on this journey into a new life. I'm going to start out this podcast with a couple of quotes from the book Bridget by Courtney Weber. So the first one is a poem from chapter two called The Origins of Bridget. And this particular poem is from Bridget, I Seek You. Quote, Lady of the well, the forge and the green earth, I seek you. Warm my heart with your perpetual flame. Heal my wounds with your gentle waters. Cradle me in your mantle when I can walk no more. Bridget, I seek you. End quote. And then the second piece that I want to read. Hold on. I had it, and now I have to go find it again. Nope, not that page. Still looking, sorry. Okay, I found it. Okay, so this is a reflection on page 26. Quote, Bridget had nothing when she began her journey in this world, just hope and awareness. Yet she saw the potential in the nothing. Without the tools to provide, she made the tools to provide. Imagine for a moment that all things surrounding us could potentially be used in our favor. Bridget could have seen the water as a flooding, damaging element and the great tree as an obstacle. Instead, she saw opportunity. How might we see our obstacles as opportunity? Imagine for a moment that everything that hinders is actually helping. What feats could we then accomplish? End quote. And I'm reading these quotes from the book today because a lot, I think, I think a lot of the podcasts, the last several episodes anyway, have been about loss and they've been about grieving from who I used to be to who I am now. And I think we need, I think we need some poetry that expresses the beauty of where I am now. It's not where I expected to be in this point in life. Um, you know, to I expected my function to be in a totally different place. But that doesn't mean there isn't still beauty and value. And I think, I believe, I feel in my heart that many of us have been struggling these last, what is it, four years since the COVID shutdown started that many of us have been struggling and that many of us have had a change in the way we perceive the world. And those changes are not always positive when we first look at them. 
And so I believe this episode is really special because it reminds us, it reminds us that it's not always about what we lost and that there's a beauty in what we have gained if we only take the time to look for it. So I hope you enjoy this episode and I'll talk to you soon. Blessed be. A quote from Rumi, quote, as you start to walk on the way, the way appears, end quote. And my response to that is, except for when you have to turn around multiple corners while traversing up and down steep mountain paths in the dark. And out of nowhere, all of a sudden, you are now driving down a city road in drizzly rain at twilight and a bat with the face and fur of a black wolf is chasing a tasty morsel lands on your windshield with a crash forcing you to stop moving forward while it continues to crunch away on its tasty morsel asking you to take a moment to nourish yourself to take stock of your surroundings for safety and direction and telling you with a look my goddess of all things, wake up. But what will I wake up to? The good life? Death to the old life? Certainly a new life. With no real idea yet of how it will look. But attempting to have faith that the way will guide me to where I need to go. Red Fox stands at the doorway, the mouth of liminal spaces in the shadows, just out of sight. But the tail, white-tipped and glowing, swishes for you to follow. But before this journey even really begins, Fox gives us a glimpse of the coming landscape in the curve of his tail to look through like a fairy stone. The buildings of an ancient city, a large blue cathedral, a large blue cathedral at its center, sitting high up in the mountain clouds, stars gleaming in a rich, starry sky. And the path that leads this way. At the top of a mountain, traversing up steep stone steps that felt slippery and dangerous, made of the same doorway that now stands in front of you, fashioned into a circle, a dragon carved deeply into this living matrix. We have stopped just short of the stone dragon. It's our choice now to step across this threshold into a new life. What adventures will await us? Do we have the courage to take that seemingly small step right across right across the liminal threshold into the starry night? 
trepidation fills us. But just for a moment, because oh, oh, there's a glimpse of that glowing tail, a fox's tail, rounding a building corner, moving deeper into the city center. And without another thought, we follow. So behind the scenes on the inspiration for my writing, we'll start with the twisty mountain roads and bats. And the inspiration for this piece was a combination of the Rumi quote that I saw flash through Facebook and I shared it and I shared it with the the response that I talk about in the piece. And so that was its own separate thing. And then at 6 a.m. this morning that I wrote that, um, I was woken up from a dream. And in the dream, I am, you know, just suddenly driving on this city mountain road. And it looks a lot like Colorado Springs where I live. And the sky is kind of cloudy. Maybe it's twilight, liminal space time. And it's drizzly, so there's rain coming down. I'm driving on the road. There's a corner in front of me. And I'm getting ready to make a left-hand turn down the road that I live on in the dream. And as I'm getting into the turning lane, just starting over, all of a sudden there's this large, like, thing that crashes into my windshield in the lower left corner and I thought at first oh it must be a bird so I'm maneuvering into the um, turning lane to make that left hand turn and as I look up it's not a bird it's a bat and this bat is just happily crunching away on something and so I'm like okay we'll just sit here and wait it out you know, we'll let the butt, the bat crunch. It was huge, huge black bat just crunching away. Crunch, crunch, crunch. And I look over and I'm like, okay, well, let's make sure that my car is all the way in the turning lane so that I'm safe, right? And then I look up and I see the street that I'm turning onto and I'm expecting it to have a familiar street name that I used to live on. And I'm looking at the sign and it's blurry, but the shape of the word is wrong. So it means it's a totally different, totally different road. Doesn't look like the road of the street I currently live on. So that's a little interesting tidbit. But I did notice that my window is open. You know, my driver's side window was open. And I thought, oh, well, I don't want the bat coming in the car. So, and of course, during this whole time, the bat is still crunching away. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Very happy, content doesn't really seem to care at all that he crashed into my car to eat his meal and I roll up the window and as I'm rolling up the window I'm looking at the bat and the side of the face and the ear and the fur thinking about how much like a black wolf that it looks and it's in that moment that the bat turns to me he looks straight into my eyes and then I woke up and that was the end of that. And so, of course, I had to go and look up what is the meaning of bat. And so bats are, are about 
rebirth and death and the shaman's death and being able to heal, you know, starting over into a new life. Maybe if you've been struggling painfully, shamanic deaths for the healers are brutal, brutal events in life, physical, emotional, spiritual that you have to overcome and come intact changed on the other side but still have your balance intact and those are crazy experiences you know most most people don't like go out searching for those kinds of experiences and so you know the bat surrounds that and comes out of cultures like the Aztecs and the Mayans and um, you know is really just revered as this creature who's going to guide you through the darkness. And, you know, for a lot of you, if you've been listening to the podcast, (laughs) you will know that for me, this journey through injury and recovery has been insane. You know, having to reconnect with the night, having to reconnect myself through things that we normally consider, I think that we take granted for, you know, that you wake up in the middle of the night as an adult and you understand, you know, everybody's asleep and the city's asleep, your family's asleep, you're all in the same space, you're not alone. And the brain injury really messed that up. And so I would wake up in the middle of the night in a complete panic. And of course it didn't help that I was having blood sugar drops and possible seizures in my sleep that, you know, attributed to this. But I would wake up in a state of complete separation to everything around me and couldn't recognize the fact that the city was still outside my bedroom window and that the city lights were still going and the people were all still there. And so I've spent the last two years reconnecting those bits of my mind to my environment in a way that you do with small children and that people don't really think about as adults that they went through this at some point in time as small children waking up afraid in the dark in the night in the dark dark night (laughs) Um, and so there's been a lot of healing through that and so I almost feel like that coming to me in this dream is saying hey you've come a really long way on this journey through the darkness and the dark and the dark dark night I'm sorry I can't help it it's from a movie I watched years ago I think it's called Babadook and they said that a lot through the whole movie and so that's become a family favorite but anyways um, sidetracking you know that he's saying to me um, bat not not Babadook but bat is saying hey you've come a really long way you know we're coming back into the light and take some time for yourself and make sure that you're nourishing you as you step into your new life, which to me is visualized by the new neighborhood, the new road. You know, maybe I'm not actually going to move houses, but that it's bringing me into this new space, this new internal journey um, of feeling a lot more solid than I have, I would say, in about four years. So that is an amazing experience right there. 
But anyway, so for the next piece, which is Fox. So Fox is really clever and is a lot of fun. And I started painting Fox when I was working on my um, goddess mask from that I used my face as the model for inside of a peacock feather painting, which turned out absolutely beautiful, by the way. And um, at the very bottom of the stem and the peacock feather, I painted a really tiny little fox. And that fox is symbolic of my service dog, who doesn't, he's not orange. He looks like a tiny white fox. He's like eight pounds. But, you know, with service dogs, you're really, you're handing over everything to them, all your trust. And you have to follow where they take you because that is part of your care. So whenever I get a medical alert, I have to believe him. I have to follow him into starting, you know, what I need for my treatment. So that way, when the the full-blown symptoms hit, I've already started my treatment plan that whole hour prior. So things like getting an extra snack, making sure my blood sugar is stable, um, making sure my blood pressure is stable, am I hydrated enough, am I in a stressful situation with like a lot of sounds and lights that I'm going to maybe have to exit a little bit early so that I can get home or to a safe place or to a quiet place um, before the migraine symptoms hit. And um, so you have to follow this this service dog, right? And you've got to take your cues from him. Your whole life is run on what your service dog is telling you to do to keep yourself safe and to start your treatment as soon as possible. And so mine is a little eight pound white um, Shih Tzu poodle mix. He looks like a perpetual puppy. He is the most adorable little thing in the whole world and he does a really beautiful job of keeping me on track with my treatments throughout the day and so I wanted to pay homage to him in this painting and I put this little tiny fox originally it was going to be just a little white fox because he's a white dog but then you know I guess Bridget took hold because I'm reading this book on the goddess Bridget and she's got this flaming red hair And so the fox ended up turning out to be your traditional little red fox. And I loved the way he turned out in that painting and just the tiny bottom piece so much. I was like, now I have to dedicate a whole entire painting to fox. And I chose a black canvas because the background that he's sitting on in that peacock's feather is black. So I was like, okay, well, let's, let's go from like this micro painting of of a little red fox with a black background to a macro, you know? So now we got it on this big canvas, black canvas, painting a fox that takes up the whole canvas. And as I'm painting fox, and I started from the bottom, I'm doing the face last. So I'm working on the bottom and the feet and the tail and making sure, you know, you've got, it looks like the, the fur, you know, glows a little bit at the edges and light shines through it. You know, all the good stuff, all those good pieces. The fur is, the fur is um, like tuffed up so it doesn't look too smooth or too silky. And I noticed that the tail has this curve to it. And I was looking at it 
And I was like, you know, this really reminds me of a fairy stone, you know, the, or they also call them hagstones, which are those round, smooth, like river pebbles, sometimes um, like sea glass. And they have a perfect hole cut through the center of the stone. And the folklore is you pick it up and you look through it. And in looking through it, you can see the realm of the fae or the mystical and the magical that overlaps our everyday vision and existence. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to create like that little fairy stone, what scene am I going to put inside a fox's tail? And my husband and I um, started playing a game called Cathedral. Uh, my mother passed away a couple years ago from COVID. And, and so this last week, so it's been a year and a half later, on um, this last week, we went through more of her stuff um, at my dad's house. And we found this cathedral game that she loved to play. She loved the piece of, the puzzle pieces of it. And she would have purchased this about 20 years ago. I didn't look. I don't know if it's still on the market. But the cathedral place, the cathedral piece that the game is surrounded by that's placed at the center of the board or wherever on the board, the first piece to go down, is blue. It's like this baby blue color. And so... You know, one night my husband and I are sitting in our chairs and we had the game all set up and we were looking at it um, from our, our recliner chairs. And I can really start to tell right before the main migraine symptoms are going to hit. And I'm t- this is not like the service dog notice of an hour before, you know. So it doesn't help me start my treatment plan. It just makes me aware that bigger symptoms are imminent, like in the next couple seconds, couple minutes kind of thing. But my vision changes and it changes in a way that when I look at something that is 2D, like a flat surface painting, uh, you know, a piece that I've done, um, you know, just anything, all of a sudden that 2D image becomes completely 3D and it looks like I could just step into it like a complete doorway into another world into another room and the cathedral game it actually you know is 3d it's like these big chunky puzzle pieces but I'm looking at it and all of a sudden because from where I was sitting you know it's kind of that flat 2d appearance and all of a sudden I looked at it and I felt like I could see into this 3d realistic real life city full of tiny pieces tiny people and like it was shimmering you know the the color of the pieces deepened and the dark pieces became darker and the depth to everything and the edges it looked like I was looking at a real little town you know something you'd see like you know like have a photograph or a movie but not a puzzle you know but like a real little town with its people and its community and its culture and I thought to myself, this, this is what I'm going to put in the fairy stone being formed by Fox's tail in the big painting. And so I've started working on that and I'm working on that piece of it. I still have not gotten to Fox's face. I'm hoping over the next month or so we'll, we'll get Fox's face put on there. But right now I'm working on, you know, doing the little city. And I forgot to put in the blue cathedral. And I was looking at the other day and I was like, oh, you need, I need the blue cathedral to go in there. And so this morning, 
you know, coming back to the, the, the little story or poetry piece that I wrote about Red Fox this morning. As I'm sitting down recording my dream about bat, looking up the symbolism of bat and writing out my little piece about, you know, combining my Facebook post from the other day to the dream and overlapping and bringing it all together into a poem, I finished that, recorded it, uploaded it, and then I thought, well, what do I want to do for my third piece before I publish this? And I was thinking about different ideas that's in my little my little book. And I thought, well, we did, you know, I was like, well, I did something about that. Let's do Red Fox. And so I took the paintings of Red Fox and turned them into a story, put the words to them. So like sometimes artists will, they'll hear a story, they'll hear something and they see the image and they create a painting, you know, in regards to that in honor of that. And for me, it was opposite. You know, I created this painting and then the words flowed out from the painting onto the page for the podcast. It's really a very interesting experience. And so as we're following Red Fox through the story, we follow Red Fox through the story the same way I follow my service dog's cues through the brain injury symptoms and the vestibular migraines. And if you've ever had a vestibular migraine or have known a family member or friend who's had them, they can be very, very scary. You know, the whole world all of a sudden slides. And, you know, I had written, I'd written this piece and I don't think I put it on the podcast yet. It was just this little blurb to help describe to people when people are like, oh, why do you need a service dog for quote unquote headaches for just a headache? And, you know, I wrote down this response on a day that I was so angry of having to constantly justify why my condition warrants a service dog. So my reply was, you know, that I wrote down, I I didn't really use this in real life, but I think I'm going to start because I think it really, it really shows what a vestibular migraine looks like. And I said, because I need a heads up before the room I'm in becomes a square box and pours me out like a glass of orange juice. Because that's what a vestibular migraine feels like. You know, all of a sudden, the, what it, what that space that you're in, those walls close in, it becomes a very claustrophobic. And then it's not, it's not always like, it's not like getting dizzy. It's not like, oh, you're drunk and you're hangover, have a hangover and the world is spinning. It's literally the entire room just is upended on its side and you feel like you're literally sliding out of it. Like you're just going to slide out the door. And the orange juice reference comes from <laughs> comes from a story that I was told, that was told to me. I would have been about 19 or 20. And the person that I was with at the time was relating a story to me of um, a really bad acid trip a friend of his went on. And the really bad acid trip was that he was a glass of orange juice and somebody was drinking him. And so, you know, that, that memory of that imagery in there is like, oh, that totally applies. But instead of, you know, like somebody drinking you, you're being poured out of the glass. And, you know, so following my little service dog is huge in me being able to lead a life that is productive and functional. And if 
we are in the right space and we work in tandem together in a really good balanced way, the majority of the public will never know my internal experience of those symptoms. They won't see it. And Figgy and I have, you know, working together over the last six plus years, came to that place of being so in sync that everything leading up to the really big, big symptoms, nobody saw the process. Figgy was able to help me navigate through it seamlessly. And this last, not even last year, like this, what is it, May, April? We're still in April. So like this last couple of months, um, I've had a lot of push back going out into public with a service dog and being denied access to places, you know, and having to look at what do I do to report this to the ADA because this is not okay and this is interfering with my ability to work and this is interfering with my ability when I'm home and my ability to sleep and to function and I feel like in a lot of ways my management of my symptoms are not under control the way they had been. I mean, I was still suffering. There was still a lot of suffering, but it was outside people couldn't see that suffering, if that makes sense. And we're in a place now that, oh, I I can't hide it from anybody. Everybody sees it. Um, and they see it in the all the little tiny pieces because... I've been forced on certain days to leave Vicky at home to be able to access certain aspects of my life, which granted I understand is not legal on the other person's end at all. And I'm trying to find some creative solutions around that so that Figgy will be going with me to all places. And of course that means I'm going to have to make some serious changes and make sure I do not get myself in this pickle again in the future because I've really do need those medical alerts every day, all day. And, um, but so anyway, getting back to getting back to Red Fox. So at the end of the story with Red Fox, we're following, you know, him through this stone circle gate leading into the city with this blue cathedral in the center. And so once I get done with Fox's painting and the miniature version of that city in the circle of his tail, which I have to use special magnifying glasses to be able to paint because it's really tiny. Um, I want to do a full canvas version of that city. And then, you know, on that outer edge is that stone circle with the dragon. And, um, and I think it's going to be really cool. And when I'm talking about stone circle. I'm talking about like a hobbit's door, you know, that the round wooden doors they have for hobbit houses in Lord of the Rings, but you don't have, you know, the centerpiece. It's just that, that outer ring, you know, or if you were ever a fan of, um, Stargate, like that kind of stone ring, you know, and except this is etched, carved deeply into it is a dragon. Almost you could think about it as like a dra- a stone dragon that, you know, maybe a, maybe a dragon that was in position, you know, and turned to stone or petrified over time and created this doorway, this magical doorway into this other world kind of concept. So at some point that's going to be its own painting. And, you know, I think it's, 
it's fun. You know, the brain injury has definitely changed my perception. It's changed not just my metaphorical vision, but my physical vision in a way that is allowing me to create in a way that I've never been able to create before. And I'm really getting into this place where I'm loving it and enjoying it and going with it instead of instead of always grieving the loss of who I was, that my art and my creativity has taken on this whole new life in a way that I was never able to access before the brain injury. And so this is my, this is my plus. This is what gets me through those days of grieving who I used to be, that analytical, mathematical, genius mind. Um, You know, and then I haven't, that I've been reduced as in the idea of reduction in some kind of a chemical equation, but not reduced in the idea of being less than who I was before. And that is a really difficult process as you grieve after injury for loss of function and loss of the life that you thought you were going to be living for the next 20 years. But, you know, we also have to look for those brighter moments, those beautiful moments, those gifts that have been given to us and the way I see the world and how that's become more in-depth and more in line with my mystical side and seeing these worlds physically and not just, you know, inside my head or inside my heart, but they're manifesting in front of me. Neurologists call this, eh, they call this, it's not olfactory and it's not auditory, visual. They call this a quote-unquote visual disturbance, which is almost a nice way of saying visual hallucination, which I prefer to look at as I get to see this whole new magical world that I always believed was overlapping our own existence, but couldn't quite access in the way that I wanted to on an everyday scale for life and now I can so that's that's my inner gift and then the first piece of this podcast um talking about Bridget um I know there was another part in that and I will admit you know if I had just re-listened to it before I got to this recording I'd be able to remember a little bit better um I chose not to do that so that's on me but there's a part in there, aside from the book quotes that I talked about, you know, and where that is coming from. And now that I think about it, that piece might have actually been in a previous podcast. And I have, oh, I was going to say I lost my train of thought, but no, I got it back. But I think the piece I'm talking about was in a previous podcast and the, the verbiage was about how all of a sudden, you know, there was this miraculous shift in my function and recovery. And um, so I wanted to address like what happened in real life to create that shift. So I helped go clean out a bunch of mom's stuff out of my dad's house that was still there a year and a half later after her death. And as I'm organizing things, under my bathroom sink, I cut my finger on a rusty screw. And 
Um, you know, I was like, well, it's been nine and a half years since I had my last tetanus shot. I'll be fine. But then I woke up at 2 a.m. and my vitals had totally, um, were all over the place. I don't want to say destabilized because I didn't have to go to the hospital, hospital or anything, but they were just all over the place. My blood pressure was all over the place. My blood sugar was all over the place. That finger, even though that scratch had been really small, the whole finger, um, was super, super stiff. And I was having a lot of pain through my jaw and my neck. And I thought to myself, we're just going to go get the shot. You know, you're supposed to do it within 48 hours of injury. And I was like, we're just going to go do that today in that 24-hour window. Now, the tetanus shot itself, I thought I was giving, getting a booster. The clinic gave me a full Tdap shot, which contains like three or four different vaccines in it. Okay, it's not just a tetanus booster. And the effect of that on my immune system was so, let's say, strong. It was so strong that it put me into a delirious fever for about three days and like full body sweats over and over again. You know, the room didn't just move. The walls were breathing, you know? I mean, it was, it was seriously insane symptoms. I thought I was going to die. It felt like every bone in my body had been smashed by a sledgehammer or hit by a truck. It was a monstrous, monstrous experience. It was awful. When I woke up out of those symptoms, what that, that immune system response cleared out this whole new level of brain function, this whole new level of feeling solid in my knowledge in my place of the world and time and space and all that and building connections with the world around me and knowing that I'm not just untethered flying around in space all by myself so it's very grounded and centered feeling and just this whole new level of being able to use words of retaining my memory I'd had a lot of issues with short-term memory problems over the last six years, but especially over the last two. And, you know, I laughed and joked with my husband that maybe I've just had a UTI for the last six years, you know, that just happened to come up after the brain injury that nobody caught or treated. And, you know, because UTIs will change your uh, level of cognition. And a lot of older people try, you know, can get diagnosed with dementia when all they really have is a UTI which is insane to think about, but that is the strength that that infection can have on your brain function. And so we made this joke about it and just like off on a whim, I was looking some stuff up and I had received a diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis um, when my kids were very small. So that has to be almost 19 years ago now, somewhere between 15 and 19 years ago. And it's been sitting in my medical chart, but it's like nobody ever really looked at it. They didn't recognize it. They didn't explain to me what long-term symptoms of RA were going to look like. And so I did some Googling because I was just like, you know, why would it have had this big of effect on me? You know, uh, the Tdap shot and the fever, why would it have created such a response in my body to give me back this new level of brain function? And I'm still not where I was at, but I'm in a much better place than where I was at, say, last October. Um, so 
it's just been an absolutely insane ride. You know, that something that seems so unconnected brings in this whole level of healing. But so I'm Googling and I, I, I hear these little whispers in my ear of the things to Google and, you know, being reminded you had that RA diagnosis years and years ago that nobody ever did anything with. Look that up, look that up. And my neurologist would call this an auditory disturbance. And I call it a nudge from my intuition and spiritual helpers. Um, so I'm looking this stuff up and I discovered that a lot of these crazy things and events that happened to me over the last four or five years. So the falling down the stairs, I lost consciousness on the staircase, resulted in a bunch of leg injuries that made me bedridden for over a month. Um, the leg breaks, because I had consent leg breaks two years in a row on the same leg. Um, and just a lot of the crazy things that we've attributed to brain injury, which, you know, the brain injury certainly, certainly didn't help. And then having the brain re-injured with every fall and broken bone, you know, in the following, in the six years that followed, that initial head injury definitely did not help. But, um... As I'm looking stuff up, it turns out that rheumatoid arthritis does affect way more than just your joints. So it can cause brittle bones, so you can break bones when you fall. And it can make your muscle fascia so tight that it's pulling your bones and your spine out of alignment. And I recently had x-rays done and I do have scoliosis through the lumbar spine. And I, my ribs are constantly being pulled out of place and having to have a chiropractor put them back in. And it was just the way I was. That's how everyone explained it. It's just the way you are. We don't know what to tell you. It's just the way you are. And it makes me wonder how much doctors really understand about these illnesses and diagnosis and these names and labels they give you, you know, and what that's going to look like long term. I, I really just don't understand why no one prepared me for any of this so I could make real life planning decisions and not just be like, Hey, let's write a piece of performance poetry to get through all the emotional crap coming up with this medical problem, you know, and the way it's changing my life. But like the muscles are getting so tight, they're pulling my cervical spine out of alignment. It's causing ligament damage. I've got arthritis through the whole spine. It's pulling my right shoulder forward closer in to the sternum. So there's a lot of compression and nerve pain through that whole left side, which we spent two years thinking were potential heart attacks and cardiology saying, you're not, there's nothing wrong with your heart. We don't know what's going on. We don't know why it feels like you're dying, but it turns out it's the RA. It's the rheumatoid arthritis. And I thought that was just absolutely insane and crazy. So there's probably going to be some more poetry and writing in dealing with the emotions surrounding that. That'll be coming up in future podcasts. And I see that we're at the 34 minute mark for this particular part of the episode. So I'll try to wrap it up a little bit. Um, well, and I'm dealing with a lot of grief over my mother's death. You know, I came to this realization the other day that I took more time to grieve the death of my first marriage. My ex-husband didn't die, just, you know, the marriage. 
Um, I took more time grieving that than I did the death of my own mother. I took a week off of life for my mother. I took three months off of life for that marriage. But my mother was alive and she told me to take that time off and she financially supported me and my children during those three months so that I could process and move past it and move on with life and just be done with it. Which of course is not really how that works in reality. But it gave me a huge head start and I never had that with her death because she died and there was nobody to support me through that process the way she supported me through the process of that death of my first marriage and so I was thinking you know I've only I only took a solid week to really dig into the emotions and I was in so much shock that that week that I didn't dig into anything really and every time I tried uh, my blood pressure would spike way up and um, it created all sorts of cognitive problems and loss. it looked like I was having a full-on stroke half the time and it was horrendous so I had to scale back on how I processed and how many emotions could come to the surface at one time and so it's a year and a half later and everything's a lot more stable because you know I was able to discover things like my doctors had put me on a starvation plan trying to get me to lose weight after all the leg injuries and that getting those pounds off is more important than anything else and then the instability that created with my brain and my blood pressure and everything across the board my blood sugar so once we got all my foods put back in and I went off of that quote-unquote intermittent fasting shit oh I'm sorry I don't know if I'm allowed to swear the intermittent fasting mumbo jumbo um, got me back into eating real good foods in a really good way that balances women's hormones and as much quantity as my body deems it needs that day for the output and the stress on the brain everything has really balanced out in a good way at least it had until I ran into issues with access if my service dog was with me so I'm sure there's going to be more pieces coming up about grieving the death of my mother. But, you know, with this particular podcast episode, I wanted it to be brighter. I wanted it to be not so doom and gloom because I know the other ones recently have been a lot of doom and gloom. Uh, So I wanted it to be brighter and a little bit more air-filled and positive. I don't know if I quite achieved that, but I know it's not quite as doom and gloom as the other episodes, so... We'll just, we'll just take that as it is. And as we hit the 38.15, 38 minute, 17 minute, 17 second, 19, 20, 20 second mark, um, I will send you out into your day with beautiful, happy thoughts that even when you think everything in front of you is closed off and will never change and you're going to be stuck like this forever, weird stuff weird stuff goes down and you regain this level of function like it is a GD I think you know where I'm going with that one miracle it is insanity is what it is and goddess blessed to all the goddesses out there and all the spirit guides and all the little whispers in my ear and the magical worlds I'm seeing Thank you, thank you, thank you for this miracle because I know they definitely, all those forces definitely came into play for me. 
And I'm very, very grateful for that. So I want to send you out into today, into the day with warm, warm blessings and a heart full of joy and happiness. And I will see you for the next episode. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can continue to show your support by making a small donation or becoming a monthly paid subscriber. Click on our website link to join our artist community in the Mighty Network app. Thank you again. And until next time, this has been Isabella and Mr. Figgles at Dandelion Roots. Mm -hmm.